Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. From verse 19. Tell your neighbor Apambio is coming. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shepherd who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and he was with the 12 then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him receive a mantle this morning I said receive a mantle this morning in the name of Jesus verse 20 what happened and he left the oxen and ran and ran after Elijah and said please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you and he said to him go back again for what have i done to you he's trying to discourage him from following him and so elisha turned back from him and turned a yoke and and and, and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate tell anybody there is lunch today So I'm sure everybody is going to listen to my message very keenly because the lunch issue has been sorted. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now, let's pray. Father in Jesus name, I pray for your grace and your anointing upon my life to articulate, preach, proclaim and prophesy to your children this morning the word that you have put in my heart. May our lives never remain the same in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Do we have firebrands in the house? I think they need to be taught how things are done. Do we have TYC in the house? Let's try one more time. Do we have firebrands in the house? Uh, I think they are trying. They're really really trying. It's like they have cobwebs in their throat. Just tell your neighbor we'll get there. take to you miss your chance is gone so we've been looking at the sermon series the scope of a shift and i believe it's been a blessing to you i kicked off this series in the month of september and today i want to bring it to a close and my subtopic uh from last sunday was the power of following somebody say the power of following say it again the power of following and I'll not really do a recap of everything but I was sharing with you on the importance of following the right thing or the right person because that will determine the kind of shift you're going to experience in your life and we were looking at the life of Elijah who was a follower of Elijah and we were looking at the qualities you know in Elijah sorry in Elijah that made him make this major shift experience this major shift in his life the guy was a farmer but through the power of following he became a mighty prophet 
by just following a man who came and threw a mantle over him. And when he started following him, there was a shift that took place in the life of Elisha. And I believe all of us, we want a significant shift in our lives. And so we've been looking at Elisha as our model of some of the qualities that we need to inculcate in our lives uh, in terms of following so that we can experience a significant shift in our lives. Can I hear an amen? So the first thing that we saw about Elisha is he was resourceful. Amen. That means he was doing something. Tell your neighbor you have to do something. Elisha was not a waster of time. He was not a waster of opportunities. And he was not a waster of gifts. He was resourceful. And because he was resourceful or diligent, you are saying that he followed Elijah and he experienced a significant shift in his life. Now, I want to pick up from where I left and give you number two and number three. And then we are going to pray. So the second thing that we see or the second quality that we see in the life of Elisha is he was receptive. He was not just resourceful, but he was receptive. When Elijah threw his mantle on him, he responded to this gesture accordingly. He moved with speed. He left his 12 yoke of oxen and followed Elijah almost immediately. You see, Elijah wasn't a hard-headed, stiff-necked, stubborn block. He wasn't inflexible and unyielding to the leading of God through the servant of God called Elijah. He was receptive to him because he sensed that his life was about to shift to the next level. You see, people who are receptive, and I hope they are here this morning, people who are receptive can be led. People who are receptive can be instructed. People who are receptive can, you know, can be given directives and they flow with the directives. In other words, they don't have an independent spirit. They don't have an independent mind. They, are, they can yield to leadership. They can flow with leadership. They can be counseled and they embrace the counsel. They receive the counsel and they align their lives with the counsel that they have been given. You see, one of the frustrations of a counselor is when the counselee is stiff-necked. In other words, he's very stubborn. No matter what you tell him or her, no matter the advice you give him or her, he refuses to align his life, his character, his values, his mindset, you know, to the counsel that he has been given. And many counselors become frustrated when they have numerous meetings with the counselee. And every time they meet, it's like they go back to square one. It's like the person has not inculcated in his character, some of the principles he has been given by the counselor. It becomes very frustrating for a counselor to be involved with such a counselee. In fact, for me, as, as a counselor as well, I'm a spiritual counselor. As a spiritual counselor, it is also very frustrating when you can have several meetings with someone and tell them do this and they don't do it. It becomes very frustrating. At some point, you feel drained. 
at some point you feel even disrespected because this person, you know, wastes your one hour to listen to you. And as soon as they leave your presence, they go back, you know, to their old way of thinking or old way of living. My, my principle is that if I talk to you more than three or four or five times and I realize you're not changing, I let you be. I can't force you, you know, I, I, you can take a donkey to the river, but you cannot force the donkey to drink water, isn't it? I, I can't force you because, by the way, you even have an ID. You're a grown-up. You have beard. You know, you, you're a grown-up. So I can't force you to, fo to, fo to, to follow my counsel. When I realize that you're not really following what I tell you, you know, I wash my, my, my hands. You know, I, I, I keep up. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you know that this frustration is not just for the counselor, but also God is frustrated with stiff-necked people. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 32, verse 9 to 10, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and they may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. God was getting to a place where he was tired, you know, of the Israelites because they were stick-necked people. They were stubborn. They were unyielding. They were, you know, they were, they, they were rebellious to his command. Everything that he was telling them, they were doing exactly the opposite of that. And God told Moses, look, I want to do away with these guys. And then I will start a new generation with you. In Acts chapter 7, you know, and verse 51, Stephen also pointed out this same quality in the Jews. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. To be stiff-necked simply means to be stubborn, to be inflexible, to be adamant. And you can see that it is not just something that frustrates a counselor or a pastor or a leader, but also God is not very excited about this quality in the lives of his people. It also frustrates him when, when he gives you a directive, when he gives you a command, the way he did with the children of Israel, and, and, and you refuse to align to that command, you know, get, it, it gets on his nerves, you know, and you can see that he was, he was even tired with the Israelites, and he was telling Moses, look, I, I want to do away with these people, because they are not following my directives, they are not following my commands, they are not following my, my, my instruction, whatever I'm telling you to tell them, they are doing exactly opposite of what I have said. You see, when you are stiff-necked, you know, you have an independent mind, no matter what you're told. You are not receptive, but Elisha was receptive. Please touch your neighbor and ask them, are you receptive? E e Elisha was receptive when, when, when Elijah, you know, hinted that he should follow him. You know, he was very receptive and he was quick, you know, to respond to uh, Elijah's, Elijah's leading. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 4. And see something here that is very powerful. Matthew, you know, chapter 4. And I pray that we shall be receptive to God. We shall be receptive to his word. We shall be receptive to the Holy Spirit. We shall be receptive to his leading upon our lives. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to verse 22. If you're there, you say, Amen. 
is what the Bible says. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then verse 19. And then he said to them, follow me. Somebody shout, follow me. Is that a shout? Shout it again, follow me. Even if he's not shouting because I'm preaching, shout because lunch is on the way. Shout, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. He met fishermen, two guys, and he told them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Do you know what he was telling them? If you follow me, there will be a shift in your life. Mm. If you are receptive to my leading, if you are receptive to my instruction, I'm giving you an instruction. You don't know me very well. I don't know you very well. I can see that you have uh, your vocation, you have your profession, you are fishers of fish. But if you follow me, if you receive my instruction, if you come under my mentorship, if you come under my guidance, if you come and submit under my leadership, my tutelage, I will convert you from being fishers of fish to become fishers of man. In other words, if you follow me, if you become receptive to my call over your life, you're going to experience a shift in your life. Can I hear an amen? in this house. And then what happened in verse, verse 20? Look at what happened. They immediately, somebody shout immediately. They didn't dilly-dally. They didn't, you know, drag their feet. They immediately left their nets. And they did what? And they followed Jesus. They were receptive to the call of Jesus upon their lives. They were quick to respond to the leading of Jesus upon their lives. Then the Bible says in verse 21, let's keep reading. Are you enjoying this scripture? Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. These were other fishermen, and they were mending their nets, and he called them. Then verse 22, what happened? Verse 22, and immediately, somebody shout immediately. And immediately they left their boats and their father and followed who? They followed Jesus. So you can see that transformation began to take place in their lives when they became receptive to the voice of God. The reason why many of us have never shifted, the reason why many of us have never experienced a, a significant shift in our lives is because we are too slow. We drag our feet too much. We are not receptive to the leading of God upon our lives. That's why we are stuck in the same rut in, in, uh, in the same rut for many, many years. But if we can just be like these disciples of Jesus, if we can respond, if we can become receptive to the voice of God, then we are going to experience a significant shift in our lives. Can I get an amen? Look at your neighbor and tell them you have to move when God is telling you to move. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You have to move when God is telling you to move. You, you have to do something when God is telling you to do it. You have to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Because I know many times God speaks to us, but because we are too slow, we are not receptive. You, know, you, you, you see, your next level is dependent on your receptivity. If you can just hear what God is, you know, impressing upon your heart, if you can just hear the voice of God upon 
on your heart. If you can just, you know, hear what God is telling you. I'm telling you, your life will shift to the next level. You will go to the next level. You will experience a significant shift in your life. He told them, if you follow me, if you respond to my voice, I will make sure that you are converted from being fishers of fish to become fishers of men. Wow. Receptivity, ladies and gentlemen, positions you for a significant shift in your life. If you can only obey the voice of God, if you can only obey the stirrings of the Spirit of God in your heart, your life will go to the next level. I want you to think with me, if you responded to everything that God you know, impressed upon your heart, where will you be today? You'll be very, very far. If you responded to the leading of the Holy Spirit upon your life, look, the Holy Spirit will never tell you to drink. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to commit fornication. The Holy Spirit will never tell you, you know, you know, to fight a pastor. The Holy Spirit will tell you, read your Bible, pray. Why don't you fast? Why don't you serve God? The Holy Spirit will remind you, why don't you become a faithful tither? Why, why, why don't you immerse yourself totally, you know, to God and to his service? So God has always been speaking to us, but we are, we are not receptive. We, we, we are not like these disciples. We are not following the voice of God. If you obeyed everything that God spoke to you about, how many sermons have you heard since you were born again? How many instructions have you had from the word of God since you were born again? If you obeyed, if you were receptive enough to spring into action, when you heard God's voice, you know, you know, in your heart, through the message, through, through an audible voice, through the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart, if you only heard and you decided to spring into action, I am sure your life could have been different from, you know, the way it is right now. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and you can tell, just look at them and tell them, I see the level of your res, re, uh, uh. <laughs> Tell them, I see the level of your... Some of you are not even talking to your neighbors. Tell them, when I look at you, I see the level of... Receptivity. Your life could have been different. Some of you, you could have been richer than the way you're richer right now. Some of you, you could have been very far in your business. Some of you could have been very far in business, in ministry, in leadership. You could be very far. But the reason why you are where you are is because there are things you did and there are things you refused to do. It was not easy for these guys. The, the only thing they knew to do was fishing fish. And here comes a man who tells them, from today, I'll make you fishers of men. It was not an easy decision for them to make, you know, but they decided because we can hear that this is God calling us, we will follow immediately. Look at even the next, you know, group of people. They even left their father because Jesus was not calling their father. Jesus was calling them and they were working with the father. They left the father to follow Jesus. This is very, very powerful. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And you can see that even Elisha had to ask for permission to go and talk to his father. To ask permission from the father. Because when, 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 when Elijah was throwing the mantle on him, he was not throwing the mantle for the entire family. The mantle was for him. Oh. Am I talking to somebody in this house? Yeah. So, so God speaks to us, you know, specifically. What he tells me is not what he's telling you. What is impressing upon my heart is not what is impressing upon your heart. 
Do you understand what I'm talking about? So you must be receptive to hear the voice of God and then respond accordingly. Isaiah chapter 50, a very powerful verse here that I want us to read together. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Bible says, give me the scripture. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned. Receive the tongue of the learned this afternoon. Hallelujah. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. Hallelujah. All the single brothers receive that scripture right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, some of you are single because you don't know how to talk. Every time you open your mouth, you scare sisters. You don't, you don't have pickup lines. Receive the tongue of the learned. You see, the brothers are not receiving. I said, brothers, receive the tongue of the learned. Hallelujah. So that next time when you approach, she will say yes, isn't it? That I may know how to speak. Hallelujah. I may know how? How to speak. Look, ladies love words. They love money, but also they love a lot of words. If, if you have a lot of words, they will think you have a lot of money. It's true. If you know how to talk to them, they will think you are very rich. You just need to know how to talk. Yeah. And you can tell them you are rich. And you're wealthy. And you're blessed. And you will see their faces brightening. Then you add, with ideas. <laughs> with the future. With a vision. If you follow me, I'll never take you to the ditch. We shall conquer mountains. We shall fly. We shall be wealthy and we shall do well. And her face will just lit up. She said, I met a man with a vision. Ladies, is it true? Ladies, is it true? Please don't let your pastor down. Ladies, is it true? When I was preaching my wife, I didn't have nothing. But I painted a picture of a bright future together. I sat down with her and I started painting the picture. I told her, if you accept me, these are the things that will happen to you. And I started one, two, three, four, five. I don't even know the list, how long the list was. Yeah. By the time I was done, she said, Yes, my Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. The tongue of the learned. Somebody say the tongue of the learned. Most of us, we're in trouble because of your foolish tongue. You don't know how to talk. You go for an interview, you have the papers, but your tongue lets you down. Huh? The first day, you abuse the interviewers. May God give you the tongue of the learned. 
Why are you not receiving this? It's a very powerful thing. Look, I have realized in this world, I don't know about you, but for the few years I've lived in this, I've realized if you don't have a good tongue, there are many things you cannot have in this world. Whether it is relationship, whether it is pitching for you know, a business, whether it is defending an idea that you have, whether it, I mean, the tongue is very important. How you talk is very important. Yeah, that's why you see that you go, you know, one time I was in another country that begins with a you. You'll be there in the name of Jesus. And I was so surprised. I met a seven-year-old and the seven-year-old was engaging me in an intelligent conversation. I was surprised. Very, very surprised. The tongue, this mouth of yours, is supposed to save you from a lot of problems. Oh, yes. The mouth, just the tongue. A lot of things. A lot of things are dependent on the tongue. Yes, that's what the Bible says. It's a, it's, 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 it's a fire. The tongue is a fire. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's why you see even a con man, he needs a tongue. To even get money out of you. And you are smartly dressed. Yeah, you have a PhD. You have, you have a weave of costing 35,000 shillings. And a con man comes and talks to you. And you go and withdraw all your money. And you give it to the con man. Hey, have you sensed the, the silence? Did, did, did you hear the silence? I think you remembered how you were conned, isn't it? Oh yes. It's, it's a, every, I, I mean, everything is about, the, is about the tongue. It's about the tongue. You understand what I'm talking about? Oh yes, it's about the tongue. You see how the West Africans have come and stolen our ladies. Yeah? West Africans. They have stolen all our ladies because they are using the tongue. Madam. My name is Okubuchi. <laughs> anyway, may God give you the tongue of the learned. I prophesy, receive the tongue of the learned this morning in the name of Jesus. You will speak well. You will speak like the learned. You'll be an intelligent Christian. You'll be an intelligent believer in the name of Jesus. Shout aloud, amen. I need to hear you, amen, in this house. The tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. And then look at the next verse. He awakens. That's where I want to emphasize. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. <laughs> so I'm not just speaking as the learned, but I'm also hearing as the learned. There are things I'm hearing because I'm receptive. You see, when you become receptive, you will start hearing some things. Hallelujah. When you become receptive, you will start listening to what the learned are listening to. You will start hearing what the learned are hearing. And when you're listening to what the the, 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 the learned are hearing, you become wiser, you become stronger, you become refined, you shift to the next level. Because what you hear also determines what you become as a person. Their songs, when you hear them, they make you sad. Isn't it? Their song, when you listen to them, they make you happy. Please talk to me. We, we, are we together? 
Because what goes through your ears also affect you. There are words when you hear, oh, you start having goosebumps. Only one person agrees with my preaching. I think I should take that person to the office and preach to him alone. Isn't it? There are words when you hear, they just disorganize and disarrange you completely. There are people when you hear them speak to you, they spoil your day. They spoil your day by hearing. The Bible says he awakens. God awakens me morning by morning every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Not to hear foolishness, but to hear intelligent stuff. Hallelujah. You see, when you are receptive and you position yourself, you will start hearing intelligent stuff. I wish I had a witness in the house. Hallelujah. I prophesy before this year is over that you will block your ears to every form of foolishness. And you will start hearing intelligent stuff in the name of Jesus. Can I have a louder amen in the house? Yeah, you will start hearing what intelligent people are hearing. Glory to God. And because you are hearing as the learned, your life will, begins to, will begin to change. Your life will begin to move to the next level. Hallelujah. Anything that you hear that is not changing your life, cut it off from your life. Glory to God. If you have friends and when they come to you, they just feed you with gossip. They just feed you with discouragement. They just feed you with gloom and sadness. You need to cut them off from your life and get some intelligent friends. Come on, somebody. Get some wise friends. Get some people who have gone ahead of you. Who speak until you feel small. And start listening to them. Start listening to what they are telling you. And I'm telling you, before long, your life will change. Before long, you will also move to the next level. Before long, you will also become intelligent. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? Give somebody high ten and tell them, I'm changing what I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's why I'm even telling you, we'll be listening to my messages. Because my messages are anointed. Come on, somebody. Be listening to this voice because this voice is anointed. This voice has been, you know, appointed by God to shift your life to the next level. This voice has been anointed by God to shift your family to the next level. Have this voice in your car. Oh, thank God for these stairs. I can move closer. Have this voice in your bedroom. Sometimes when you're fighting with your husband and the conversation is not getting anywhere, switch on my voice. When my voice comes into the bedroom, the tension will disappear. Your husband says, hey, pastor is here. Your wife will say, hey, I can hear pastor's voice is here because this is an anointed voice. Who am I preaching to in this house? The reason why you are stuck in the same rut is because of what you are listening to. You are listening to foolishness. Look at the radio station you're listening to. How will your life change? Patanisho. Please mention what you listen to. Classic 105. Huh? There's somebody called Ghost. You're listening to a ghost. How 
will your life change? If that is what you're listening to. How will your life go to the next level? If that is the only thing you're listening to. Foolishness. Somebody stole somebody's wife. Somebody stole somebody's girlfriend. Somebody is saying, somebody left me. And that is all you're filling yourself with. Filthiness. And a lot of garbage in your head. Your life will never move to the next level. Instead of listening to those foolishness. Or those foolish stuff. I want you to listen to things that can shift your life to the next level. Listen to information. Intelligent information. If you are in business. Listen to intelligent information. Concerning your business. Because your business must go to the next level. If you are in ministry. Listen to anointed preaching. Because this anointed preaching that will shift your ministry to the next level. If you're married, you have no time to listen to people who are talking about divorce, separation, unfaithfulness, fornication, adultery, polygamy. The devil is a liar. Listen to something that will build your marriage. Oh, it is very quiet, but I have one more step. I can move closer. Listen to something that will build your life. Tell your neighbor, change what you're listening to. Change it. Become receptive to the voice of God. Hallelujah. Listen to what God is telling you. Listen to what God is instructing you to do. Listen to the word of God. Hallelujah. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because when you listen to God, your life will always change. These guys, when they followed the voice of Jesus, transformation began to take place in their lives. The reason why you're not changing is because of what you're listening to. You're not receptive. Morning by morning. I love this scripture. Morning by When I wake up in the morning, when others are listening to classic one of five. When others are listening to Patanisha. I know you can't mention what you listen to. It's only few genuine people. Morning by morning. Look, ladies and gentlemen, your morning time is very precious. You're not understanding what I'm saying. I say your morning time, that window when you wake up, it's a very important window for you for the entire day. What you put into your ears will determine the kind of day you will have. That's why you see, when you begin the day with God, the day is very good. True or not true? Tell your neighbor what he's preaching is the truth. Yes, if you begin with God, if you begin with worship, if you begin with prayer, if you begin with, you know, meditation, I'm telling you, the day changes. This cable. Hmm? So, what you do in the morning is very, very important. So don't just wake up and you put a lot of baggage in, uh, rubbish rather, in your head. Bad music, secular music. I mean, you, you have woken in the morning and you're listening to bend over early in the morning. You are supposed to go to work and you start thinking of bending over. And you start twerking 5.30. In your bedroom. When you should be thinking of how you're going to work. 
ask your neighbor of me, do you twerk? Some of you are not talking to your neighbors. I, you see, I'm very close to you. I can see all of you. Ask your neighbor, do you twerk at 5.30 or 5 a.m. in the morning? Our morning is changing. I say our morning time is changing. I say our morning time is changing. We shall be receptive to God's voice. We shall listen to intelligent conversation. That is what will shift your life to the next level. Hallelujah. Mm. Number, number three. He was not just resourceful. We're talking about Elijah. He was not just receptive. But he was resolute. Elijah was resolute. What does it mean to be resolute? It simply means to have a firm determination to do something no matter the cost. So nothing or no one can deter you from what you have set your heart and your mind to do. When you look at Elisha, he had such a strong determination to follow Elijah that nothing stopped him. Look at his resolve. Look at his firm determination. When Elijah threw the mantle in, on him, he left the oxen and he ran after him and said, please, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And Elijah even discouraged him from following him. He told him, what have I done to you? Go back. Don't follow me. Go back again for what have I done to you? But even with this, Elisha was not deterred from his goal. His goal was to follow Elijah. He demonstrated this commitment in verse 21. Of 1 Kings chapter 19, the Bible says, So Elisha took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh. He took what he was working with, slaughtered, these were animals, slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. This act, are we together somebody? This act was to eliminate the option of going back to his former vocation. I need to say that again. This act was to eliminate the option of going back to his former vocation. You see, when you're resolute, it simply means that you have eliminated all options that will become a temptation to you not to do what you have set your heart to do. If you get married with the option of divorce, you will divorce. If you enter into the ministry with the option of running away when things are thick, you will run away. When you date with the option of checking out so that when you see somebody else who is better than the person you are dating, I don't know about you. Me, when I got 
married. I got married with no option of divorce. I took the key, locked the door, and threw it away. Some of you are married, but you still have the key to the door. You know, you know, you know, you have to be wise. You know, you have to be very wise. So you are inside, but you are just saying, in case things don't go as I expected, I am out of here. For some of us, we swim, we swim together. We sink, we sink together. Yeah. When disease comes, we deal with it together. When a calamity comes, we deal with it together. When there is no money, we survive together. Yes, when things are not working, we survive together. When we celebrate, we celebrate together. When we cry, we cry together. When we are joyful, we are joyful together. When you have options, you will never be resolute. And please, if you are here, stop lying to someone. If you have not decided, tell them, stop wasting your money on me. Stop wasting your time on me. Stop wasting your resources on me. Leave me alone because my heart is not committed to you. My heart is only committed to your wallet. Tell your neighbor, stop breaking somebody's heart. Why are you not talking this morning? Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, stop breaking and disappointing someone. I have gotten to a place where I'd rather you hurt me with the truth than massage me with a lie. I'd rather you tell me, look, I see you, you see me. I have heard what you have said. But before anything starts, I don't like you. As simple as that. I don't like you and I don't see this thing will go anywhere. You don't say, let's try and see where it will go. It is not trying. You are either in or you are out. You know, me, you know, I always just go to this church, but let, let me tell you, you know, you know, you know, churches are funny. I am just going, but I know cause something will happen. Cause something. Yeah, cause something, cause something, cause something will just happen. When I see that cause something. I am out of here. You are not resolute. We are not in places or we are not doing things or we are not committed to things because there is perfection. When Elijah was committing himself to follow Elijah, it was not because Elijah was perfect. Elijah had so many flaws. One day he was going for a revival meeting and the revival meeting was very, very powerful and he killed 450 prophets of Baal and one woman Tell your neighbor, fear women. A guy has killed 450 men single-handedly. He called fire from heaven. Fire came down, consumed a sacrifice that he had drenched in water. Then one woman said, Elijah. She sent a message to Elijah. What you have done to the 450 prophets who were eating at my table. I'm going to do the same to you. And Elijah, like a scared dog, with the tail between the hind legs, runs 
and becomes suicidal. That is the man Elisha is saying, I'll follow. A man who is suicidal. A man who opens his mouth to pray. And the prayer is so faithless. God, let me die. Why? There's a woman. <laughs> Her name is Sister J. And the angel brings food, he eats. But he still wants to die. That is, the, that is the man Elisha is following. So Elijah was not perfect. And there is no church that is perfect. And there is no man that is perfect. And there is no woman that is perfect. And there is no profession that is perfect. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? And there is no country that is perfect. And there is no city that is perfect. And there is no pastor that is perfect. And there is no department in any church that is perfect. But you, you must become resolute about what you have a conviction about. If you have a conviction about a particular church, you'll be there through and through. No matter what happens. Tell your neighbor, be resolute. Tell them again, be resolute. Hallelujah. Amen. Be resolute. If you have chosen somebody and say, this is the person I'm going to marry. Look. The moment you say, this is the person I'm going to marry. They begin to remove the facade. Because they have already impressed you. Then you start seeing them without makeup. You start seeing them without the Brazilian hair. You used to think it is theirs. But now it's a surprise. When you go to the honeymoon, you will be more surprised. I am telling you, you will discover so many things that were not real. The hips were not real. The stomach was not flat. It was being kept into place. After you get married, she has been in the wedding. She was suffering the whole day. Honey, eat. <laughs> I, I, I'm just so excited about today. I can't I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, so happy. Honeymoon. And something, boom. Freedom. I like that. Please, let's not get to the teeth. <laughs> but at that point, will you run away? No! must become resolute. Praise the Lord. Elisha was not following a perfect man. Elisha was following a man who was full of imperfections, but he was resolute. You see, many people, they will never experience a significant shift in their lives. It's because 
they, they don't have the quality of commitment. There's no commitment. You do something, when a challenge comes, you leave it. Hmm? Am I safe? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you must be resolute. Why? Challenges will come. Difficulties will come. Yeah, bad times will come. Really bad times will come, I'm telling you. Oh, yes. Huh. I've been in ministry for a while. There are ups and downs in ministry. I've been married, I think, for 23 or 22 years. I can't even remember. Please help me calculate. 2001, 7th April, 2001. This is 22 or 23. 22 years. We have, we, we have gone through stuff with that lady. Yes. Even at some point, we lost a baby. Oh, yes. We lost a baby. I could be having three children today. Yeah. I've been telling her I want ten. But we're still together. And I thank God for the two that God has given to me. Are we together? And by then, now I'm content. Now I, have, I am looking for spiritual children. I want to have as many spiritual children as possible. I even want to have a Chinese pastor. Oh, yes. I want to have a Chinese pastor. I want to have a Jewish pastor. I want to have a West African pastor. I want to have a pastor from Tanzania. Hallelujah. Yes, I want to have many spiritual children. I mean that song Pastor Dennis sang. We are standing here today because he made a way. He never gave up on us and we never gave up on him. We are resolute. All those who endure until the end, the Bible says, they shall be saved. Hallelujah. Do I have resolute people in this house? Do I have people who are full of commitment in this house? That is the only way you will experience a shift in your life. But if you are a person who is always giving up, a small challenge comes, you give up. A small challenge comes, you have broken the relationship. A small challenge comes, you say, I don't want this. A small challenge comes, you have resigned from the job. I mean, everything is tough. Nothing comes easy. Dating is not easy. Marriage is not easy. Ministry is not easy. Business is not easy. There's nothing that is easy in this world. Being single as well is not easy. I tried it, I'm telling you. That's why I'm married. I realize it is not easy. Uh, you are single, you just see all these beautiful people. But God says you cannot touch. Hey! You only see. Sisters, you see all these handsome brothers. And you're like, he should even just say hi. He's not saying hi. It's not easy. Yeah, that's why some of us got married. We realize we cannot survive. Every married person here will tell you, they realize they cannot survive. All you single people who are strong, continue.
Tell your neighbor, nothing is easy. Parenting is not easy. Carrying a pregnancy is not easy. There is nothing in this world that is easy. Even stealing is not easy. You can die. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, what is it that is easy in your life? There is nothing that is easy. You know, I used to teach in a Bible college. And one time there's a mother who brought his son. And he told me, I want you to take care of my son because I don't know what he really wants. And the guy was, I think, in his late 20s. So I decided to have a conversation with that guy. And as we were talking, I could see that this guy is not even resolute. It's like he, he was spoiled by the mother. The mother, it is even the mother that suggested to him to come to the Bible school. Because the guy was just sitting in the house. Eating breakfast that is made by the mother. Eating lunch that is made by the mother. Eating dinner that is made by the mother. So the mother decided to take, to bring that son of hers to the Bible school. You know, I used to be in a Bible college and I realized something. That people who are having problems with their sons, they used to bring them to the Bible college. Yeah, guys who looked like they had demons, who looked like they didn't know what they need to do, they were brought to the Bible school. So in the Bible school, we used to have problematic students. I remember there was a student they brought to the Bible school. He was a very interesting student. I, I don't know if I should say this or not. Hmm? It's like you cannot handle what I'm about to say. They brought a student in the Bible school. <laughs> oh Lord, should I say this? Forgive me in advance. Lord, forgive me in advance. I don't mean to be gross. Lord, just forgive me. But it's the people who are pressurizing me to say. <laughs> ah, no, I will not say. <laughs> How many are saying, tell us, tell us, tell us? Why do you want to hear bad things? <laughs> huh? Anyway, this student used to wear ladies' panties, and he was, he was a man. I thought you wanted to hear the story. <laughs> I, I go deeper or I leave it at that. Let, let's just leave it at that. Uh, there are other things we found out that I, I cannot say. Hey. Anyway, back to my story. The Bible school is an interesting place, I'm telling you. So the boy was not resolute at all. He didn't know what he wanted to do. Even after talking to him, he didn't know what he wanted to do. You must be resolute, I'm telling you. You must have some convictions. And commit yourself to those convictions. You must be a man of commitments. You must be a woman of commitments. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. 
You must commit yourself. You see, when you play golf, I see you playing golf very soon. There's a point you reach where you have to commit. Someone say commit. You see, you see, golf is about the swing. Someone say the swing. Can you try and swing? It's the swing. So there's a point when you reach, when you have committed yourself. You see, when you're playing golf, everybody has to be quiet for you to take that shot. But when you commit yourself, even if somebody laughs, you cannot stop. Yeah, it's, it's like a point of no return. All the married people, you understand the point of no return. You understand the point of no return. Even if the, the house is on fire, when you get to a point of no return, there is no turning back. Isn't it, Pastor Steve? <laughs> Father, forgive me. It is the people. Tell your neighbor, be resolute. Make up your mind. Hallelujah. What do you really want? What do you really want? Make up your mind. Amen. There are people who have not even made up their mind if they are male or female. Make up your mind. You are a man. And become a man. And behave like a man. You are a lady. Stop telling us you are a tomboy. You are a lady. Make up your mind. Look, some of you ladies, the way you are dressing, nobody will marry you. Because they don't know if you are a lady or a man. Make up your mind. You know, I had to speak to another daughter of mine and I told her, if you continue like this, you will never be married. She comes to church, she looks like a, a soldier. She has this army trouser and boots. I'm telling her, what are you doing? And you're busy looking for a husband. Make up your mind. Be a lady. A man does not want to marry another man. Unless if he has a problem. But a normal man does not want to marry another man. He wants to marry a woman. Tell your neighbor, make up your mind what you want. Make up your mind. Make up your mind which church you belong to. Oh yes, make up your mind who is your pastor. Oh, you know me, I have three pastors. Pastor on site. Pastor online. And pastor in my dreams. No, 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 no. Make up your mind. Become resolute about some things in your life. Because there are things which are very critical in your life. If you don't make up your mind concerning those things, you will never experience a shift in your life. Hallelujah. Tell you, make up your mind. Mm. My sons, are you here? Make up your mind if you want to marry or not. Tell us. Oh, some of you, we don't know you are with this girl for three years, four years, five years, ten years. When we ask you, when is the wedding? <laughs> You've been coughing and laughing for the last ten years. Make up your mind. 
If you are not serious, leave that woman. Somebody else will marry her. By now, they will be having three children. Or triplets. You know, one time I met another pastor friend of mine and asked him, look, I'm seeing the way your ministry is going. And you're a single pastor. I fear for you. And he's surrounded with ladies. Not just ladies, beautiful ladies. With high heels. They are the ones leading prayer. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Everybody, I'm here, I'm anointed. No, 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 no. And the pastor is there. I'm looking at the pastor, I'm looking at the lady. Took me to the vestries, and all the ladies were there as well. Those two link, single ladies. I said, hey, pastor. I told pastor, you, ha- you have to choose one among these. He said, hey, you know, I've not decided yet. I don't know when it will. I said, hey, you have to make up your mind. The way the ministry is going, you need. You need. Pastor, you're suffering. You need. You need a channel of release. Father, forgive me. It's the people. Make up your mind. Some of you are here. You've been coming to this church. You're not serious with God. Make up your mind. Today's your day of salvation. The Bible says the day you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Give your life to Jesus. We don't know if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Make up your mind. Because people who are not resolute, they find themselves in problems. And I want to prove to you right now. Ish. Am I safe? Matthew chapter 26. Are you enjoying my preaching? If you are not, it's because you've not made up your mind that I am your best preacher in this world. Because you can be and listen to me and say, ah, let him finish. My preacher is waiting for me on YouTube. Matthew chapter 26, verse 57 to 58, and then we'll jump to verse 69 to verse 74. Somebody say, beautiful. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Next verse. But Peter followed. But look at his following. He at at. So he was not resolute about following Jesus. He didn't want to identify himself with Jesus. He followed, but at a distance. He loved, but at a distance. And he followed, but at a distance. And he didn't want to associate himself with Christ. Yet he had said when they were eating, Jesus, hmm. even prison we are going together. I'm telling you, Jesus, we will go to prison together. I will never deny you. Oh, yes, because Jesus said, you guys, you will all betray me. They said, who? They started saying, who? 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. Peter himself said, Jesus, I want you to know. Look, mark, mark, mark my words, Jesus. Jesus, look at me. Read my lips. The prison you'll be in, I'll be next to you. Yeah, Jesus looked at him and said, look, you'll deny me thrice. But he couldn't believe what Jesus was saying. Look at him, following Jesus. He was not committed. Fully. Not resolute. He followed at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. He wants to see how this story will turn out to be. Hmm. That's how some people watch you. They're not, not, not really committed to but they watch to see what will happen to you. Hmm? You know, we have very funny people who leave a church and they leave, the, the, the body has left but the eyes have not left. They, they want to see, let's see if they will, let's see if they will finish the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's our money that was building the sanctuary. Tell your neighbor, please, don't think like that. I told someone, when God called me, he never gave me any name. He never told me these would be your members. He never gave me any name. He just told me, I'll bring you people. So you are people that God brought, but he never gave me your names. That's why I always try to remember your names. Yeah. Because I'm not Adam, who could name all the animals without repeating himself. So me, I try and remember your names. Sometimes I go like, eh, eh, Samson. <laughs> Try again. Uh... Susan. Uh... Okay, give me the first letter. I try and remember your name, but God never gave me your names. Yeah. Because God, God will use anyone. Tell me, but God will use anyone. So Peter followed at a distance. To see what will happen. Jump to the next verses. We see what happened. Because he was following at a distance. He sat outside <coughs> in the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him saying. You also were with Jesus of Galilee. You see they used to see Peter in the crusades. In the meetings with Jesus. And she, she, she knew that Peter was a follower of Jesus. But we can see that Peter this time, he's not very close to Jesus. The way he was close to him before he was arrested. You missed a place to say amen. At this point, he was not as close as he was before Jesus was arrested. Before Jesus was arrested, he was always around him. You remember when the woman of with the woman with the issue of blood, you know, she touched Jesus and, and, and virtue flowed. And, and she started saying, you know, somebody, uh, Jesus said, somebody has touched me. Peter is the one who spoke and said, Master, we are here around you. We are all, people are touching you. We are here touching How can you say somebody has touched He was very close. But this particular time, there was a very big gap between him and Jesus. And this woman said, I know you. You are with him. But look at verse 7. But he denied it before them. All saying, I do not know what you are saying. You see, when you are not fully committed to someone, you cannot defend that person. When you are not fully committed to a church, you cannot defend that church. When you are not fully committed to a cause, you cannot die for that cause. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are saying. Look, look at the next verse. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl 
You see, when you are not fully committed or you're not resolute, you will find yourself in bad company. Hmm. Lord, it didn't hit them. When people say statements like, people are saying, it tells me they are in wrong company. How can you be comfortable with a group of people discussing me and then you come and tell me what they discussed? It tells me that you are not fully committed to me. That's why you can sit in a meeting of people criticizing me and then when they are done, you bring me the report. When a gossiper brings you information, just know that that gossiper is not really committed to you. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were with, were there, this fellow also, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Hey, Peter, things are becoming thick. Verse 72. But again, he denied with an oath. This time, he swore. He said, Akia Mungu. I swear over my dead body. You see the way people swear? Over my mother's grave. I, look at what he said. I do not know. Please, Peter, wait. Are we talking about Jesus? Or we are talking about somebody else? We are talking about Jesus. The man who had dinner with you last night. You are eating together. You even gave him promises saying that when he goes to prison, you will go to prison with him. Hi. Peter, now you are saying you don't even know him. Verse 72, but again he denied with an oath and said, I do not know the man. How about verse 73? And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them. For the way you talk, you talk like Jesus. <laughs> you are using the jargons that Jesus used to use in his teachings. Your speech betrays you. What did he say? Verse 74. Then he began to curse. This time now he's cursing. <laughs> hmm? He started cursing. He started lifting his middle finger. I almost did it. Kai. Father, is the pressure from the congregation. He was swearing. Am I reading the Bible or I'm saying my own things? Please, pick up the scripture. Then he began to do what? To curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Why was Peter denying Jesus? Because he was not resolute. He was not fully committed to Jesus. Words are different from what you do. When you look at Elijah, he didn't just follow Elijah and he didn't just say, I follow Elijah. He did something that showed he had decided from the bottom of his heart to follow Elijah. He burned his equipment, boiled the oxen fed the village and he said, I'm not going back. I'm following Elijah. People who are not resolute, 
can never move to higher levels. Can never experience a significant shift in their lives. I thank God for Peter because he went and repented. He cried and he wept until God gave him, gave him a second chance. You must be resolute. Tell your neighbor, you must be resolute. You have to decide that this thing that I've committed myself to, I am not turning back. Hallelujah. You know, there's a song we sing. I don't know if we realize the gravity of that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow. No turning back. You see, we don't follow Jesus for a week or a month. It's a decision we have made. We have become resolute that we'll follow Jesus no matter what happens. Hallelujah. Even if he doesn't give me a breakthrough the next five years, I'll still follow him. Even if he doesn't bless me in the next 12 years, I'll still follow him. I've decided to follow Jesus. Let me give you number three. And then we pray. Number three. What was number one? He was resourceful. Number two. He was receptive. Number three. And number four. Say it. Oh, I thought you knew. He was respectful. Elisha was respectful. Hmm. He discerned who Elijah was and chose to serve him. This type of respect was unlocked by discernment. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I want to make some statements here very powerful. When you choose to serve someone, it means you have recognized something special about the person. Because you only serve what you respect. I need to say that again. You only serve what you respect. You can never serve what you don't respect. You can never serve that which you despise. You only serve what you respect. So it requires discernment. Somebody shout discernment. You need to have discernment for you to be able to respect someone. And out of that respect, service flows. When Elisha looked at Elijah, he sensed this man is peculiar. This man is anointed. And even though I have a business, I have 12 workers, I have yoke of oxen, I am working, I'm in the field. But there is something about this man that is calling me. And I want to submit to this man because he's a special man in my life. And out of that respect, he became his servant. On the surface, Elisha looked like he had been demoted because he used to manage his own business. He used to have workers who were working under him. I can see him telling them, I want you to look for other jobs. I have folded this company. Everybody look for something else to do. I am following this man because I feel I need to serve this man. I have, a dis I have discernment in my heart that this is a very special man. That God has given to me. 
you only serve what you respect. I need to say that again. You only serve what you respect. I need to say that again. You only serve what you respect. Amen? That's why we don't have a lot of servants in our churches today. Because many people don't even respect God. They don't respect God. That's why we don't even obey the, the Bible. We don't obey the word of God. Because we don't respect God. We don't serve. We don't respect God. We have a lot of consumers in the church who don't even serve. Because we, we, we don't respect God. We even call him the old man upstairs. We don't respect him. That's why we don't serve. We have a lot of consumers in the church. They will never do anything for God in the house of God. You only serve what you respect. Look at an average Christian. It's a Sunday morning attendee. Only. And make sure you do a short service so I can go. I have other things to do. Because we don't respect God. It's getting kinder. Quiet. We don't. Mm. You only serve that which you, you respect. If you respect God, you will serve him. If you respect God, you will honor him. If you respect God, you will obey his word. And you will practice his word. Can I get an amen? Yeah. People don't even respect pastors anymore. It's true. Me when I was growing up, you, you don't joke with a man of God. It was very serious. If a man of God comes to your house, hey, it's like God has visited you. Heads turn. Things move. Everybody goes to work. A man of God has come to the house. This, 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 these days, pastors are despised. These days, pastors are looked upon as people who have an, a hidden agenda. Some parents cannot even allow their children, their daughters, let me use daughters, their daughters to come near the pastor. I saw you greeting the pastor. Be careful with this man. Be very, very careful with this man. Some of them are wolves. In She's talking to the daughter about her pastor. That's why some of you parents here, you have, you have young people, you have not allowed them to come to the TYC. You, call, you, you don't trust your pastor. You come to church, you say, your daughter, sit next to me here. It's getting kind of quiet. Do I have one more step? Welcome. Parents cannot even allow their children to go to the children's church. You don't trust anybody in the church. You don't trust leaders in the church. You have no respect to anybody else. Some husbands cannot even allow their wives to greet the pastor. It will be a conversation the whole night. Uh -huh. 
I saw the way you were holding the pastor's hand. I saw the pastor hugged you. What was he telling you? You really laughed. What were you laughing about? What were you talking about? Were you talking about me? I don't want to see you stay, stay in church alone, stay, stay. You are lingering. Lingering what? What are you lingering about? Huh? You need to know that pastor is a man. A man like me. No, I'm not a man like you. We don't respect God. We don't respect men of God. Go. You know, one time I went to... Let me go back so that you can breathe. One time I went for the children's... I think it was a parent's day in a school. And I was invited to speak to that school. And the children were saying what they want to become. I'm there. I'm invited as a guest to bless these children. And some of them were candidates. My name is so-and-so. I want to be an engineer. My name is so-and-so. I want to be a lawyer. My name is so-and-so. I want to be a doctor. No child said, my name is so-and-so. I want to be a pastor. Yet they have brought a pastor to pray for them. So they may pass their exams. It's because we don't respect pastors. We don't think being a pastor is a very important thing. That's why when your child tries to show signs of being a pastor, where? You start showing your son. What does your uncle do? Your auntie? Your grandfather? One time, I think we're in Ambakasi, I think it was a service. One boy stood up and said, I want to be a pastor. I, I, I shed tears. All of you parents who are here, I am sure none of you will want your children to be a pastor. I know you. Because you don't respect pastors. The respect that people had for pastors has been thrown out of the window. And all of us pastors, and I know they are bad pastors and they are rock pastors, but it's unfair to take all of us pastors and we, you put us in the same basket. It is unfair. Tell your neighbor it's unfair to do that. So you're in the church, like, but you never respect your pastor. Because you just remember what you had during the week. You had on TV. You had on radio. You had on social media. That's what is going on in your mind. So you're looking at me and you're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Wow. Hey. Haka skandal katatokelini. Oh. It's unfair to put all of us in the same basket. Some of us are serious with this thing. We are committed to this thing. Otherwise, we could not have even been here. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We could not have been here. When you see a pastor has even buy land for the church without even building his own house, that should tell you something. Now I'm even building the house of God. I've never built a house. 
I have a woman that I promised I'll build her a house. I have not even built for her a house. I'm wondering when will I fulfill that promise? And she said, yes, because I promised her that I'll build for you a house. I will, I will. See, you remember the promises I was telling you about? See, I have not fulfilled that one. Now I'm building God's house. Then you take me and put me in the basket of other rogue pastors. Charlatans. It's unfair. Tell me it's unfair. Tell them again it's unfair. And, and that's why your heart is not committed. Yeah, you are not committed. And you are not a servant. You are not serving because you are like, hey, you know me, Mamboya Church. Have you heard people say, Mamboya Church, Mambo's a church, Vitu's a church, Watu a church, my pastors were sick easy. Riswa. Everybody step down and say, Riswa, Shindwe. Come out in the name of Jesus. Look, don't put me in that basket. I am not in that basket. I will never be in that basket. I have been called by God. And I'm serious about this thing. It is the calling that is driving me to do what I'm doing right now. Nothing else is the call. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't be quiet. I can't run away. It has gripped me. It is part of me. It's like a virus in my system. Yes, it's flowing in every part of my being. I cannot be quiet. You only serve what you respect. You didn't hear what I said. You only serve what you respect. And what you respect is what will trigger a significant shift in your life. God does not just give you a pastor to be there to be lecturing you every Sunday. He's giving you a pastor to become a dais that will propel you to the next level. Believe in the Lord your God. You shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. That means when you believe in the man of God that God has given unto you and submit yourself to him and start serving under his covering, prosperity will be your portion. You can never remain poor under this anointing. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I say you can never ever remain poor under this grace and this anointing. Your life will change. I have seen people blessed. I have seen people changed. I have seen people promoted. I've seen people elevated. I've seen people healed. I have seen people delivered. I have seen people experience significant changes in their lives because this thing is real. This thing is powerful. This, 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 this thing is supernatural. Can I hear an amen in this house? I prophesy as your shepherd and as your prophet. Any form of poverty in your life, may it be broken in the name of Jesus. May you experience a shift financially. A shift financially. A shift financially. Shout a louder yes in this house. By following Elijah and serving him, because he respected him, something happened to Elisha. Stand to your feet. I want to finish. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 8. We are finishing with this verse. Tell me about respect God. This is Elijah. And Elisha, they are walking. 
And Elisha is following and serving Elijah faithfully. A man who is not perfect. A man who was suicidal at some point. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that way so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Verse 9, what happened? Are you with me, someone? And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask. You don't give somebody a blank check who has not proven himself. You know, when will pastor lay his hands on me and commission me? When will pastor anoint me and prophesy and tell people that I'm a man of God? Prove yourself. Prove yourself. Serve. Let me see you serving. It's quiet. I want to see you serving. I say, I want to see you serving. I say, I want to see you serving. Because I'm not in the business of rewarding titles to people. Or rewarding people with titles, rather. Hmm? You know me, they don't know me. The day I will grab that microphone, the fire they will see in that church, they will know they have been sitting on an anointing. Please. Why don't you start serving? Why don't you start a CMG? I want to see how it grows. Because you said you have an anointing. Oh, the, on, the anointing only comes when you grab the microphone. When you grab it, it's more than results. Fruit. After Elisha served and served and served and served and served and served, Elijah said, it is time for me to unlock another dimension of ministry in the life of Elisha. All of you must become servants. Tell your neighbor, we must become servants. You can't be a Christian who has been born for 20 years, 30 years, and you're doing nothing in the house of God. You don't impress me. Oh, you know, in 1970s, when we got born again, when there was revival in this country, there's still revival in this country. But what are you doing? What are you doing? The year is over. The year is over. Look at number 10. The year is over. What have you done for God this year? The year is over. It's over. You know, yesterday, this birthday hit me differently this time. Because I woke up and I wanted to celebrate my birthday. And then I was told, a student I used to teach in a Bible college, pastor, and I knew her very well. She's a pastor. In fact, when she was starting the church, I was there. I am thanking God that I'm turning a year old, but somebody's weeping because he's lost his wife. Same day. You don't want to serve. The day you'll be told your time is up, that's the time you start running along, around, helter, skelter. You want to do everything. Tell your neighbor, it will be too late. This is the time. 
Tell your neighbor, this is the time. Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I may do for you. You have been serving me. I've been seeing you in the CMG. I've been seeing you in the department. I've been seeing you serving. I've been seeing you showing up, cleaning the church. I've been seeing you teaching the children. I've been seeing you in the youth ministry. I've been seeing you in the teens church. I've been seeing you around. Ask what I may do for you. I will not release my anointing on idolers because they will idol under the anointing. I want to release my anointing on servants. Look at what Elisha said. Elisha said, the thing I've seen in your life is so sweet, it's so nice, it's so nice, it's so wonderful, it's so powerful. I want a double portion of your spirit upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. He didn't say you have asked an impossible thing. He said you have asked a hard thing. It might be hard, but it's possible. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. That means you have to hang around. Tell me, but you have to hang around. There are people here, you have what we call speed anointing after the last prayer. The way you take off, the way you jump into your car, and some of you, the way you jump into the bus, you always want to sit next to the driver. And you don't want that seat to be taken, isn't it? Hey! Church is very quiet. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. That means your ability to receive is dependent on your availability. You have to be there. You still have to serve. Yes, you have to be there. Next verse. Then it happened as they continued on and talked. They continued and, 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 they continued and. Look, if you are a member of this church and you've never had a conversation with me, the only interaction we have is when I'm on the pulpit. You are very far. Tell your neighbor you are too far, too far, too far, too far. You've never had a conversation with me where you just come and say, I'm so and so, my name is so and so, I was born this day, this is what I do, I am married or I'm single or whatever, this is who I am. You, we never, we've never had such a conversation, you're too far. They continued on. And they talked. They continued. And they talked. They continued. And they talked. They continued. And they talked. I know you want me to finish the message, but I'm the one preaching. Yeah. 
They continued. And they talked. The reason why I'm insisting is because some of you think that these things were happening within a week. These are years. Tell your neighbor, these are years. Years of talking. Years of talking. Talking. I want to know who you are. Who are you? I see you in a beautiful red dress, but who are you? I see you in a checked suit with a flowery shirt, but who, who, who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? Where do you come from? Who is your father? Who is your mother? I want to know you. They continued. And talked. They continued. Even if you're bored, that's your problem. They continued and talked for many years. Then suddenly, even Elijah himself did not even know when it will happen. He didn't know. The Bible says, suddenly. Somebody says, suddenly. Let there be a suddenly in this house in the name of Jesus. Suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared with hoses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a wild wind into heaven. And Elijah is left with a broken heart. He's crying. He lifted up his voice. And he said, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into pieces. This is a frustrated man. The man that he used to know as a father has made a transition. He has shifted into another realm of existence. But he didn't know that as Elijah was shifting, he was also shifting. This is a man he was serving and it looked like it was a demotion. But in real sense, it was a promotion. So he took what Elijah left to him with. You see, when you, when, when you really follow, hmm? when you really follow, something will drop on you. When, when you really follow, something will be released in your life. When you really follow. The sons of the prophets were following, but at a distance. When the mantle fell, it didn't fall on them. It, fall, it fell on the person that was very close to Elijah. Who is that person? Elijah. He took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan out of frustration. Verse 14. He struck, he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that way and Elisha crossed over. That is the first time he's realizing, hey, I caught something. Something has happened. A shift has taken place. The thing that I used to think was upon the life of Elijah. That thing 
is upon me as well. No hula balu. No buying padlocks and towels and brooms to sweep the anointing over your life is just the power of following that introduced a shift in the life of Elisha. Are you bored with my preaching? Verse 16. The sons of the prophets who were from the next city, that is the city of Jericho, and that city of Jericho had the curse of Joshua upon it. And the sons of the prophets were from that city. And there is a dimension of the spirit they had not attained to deal with the curse that Joshua released on the city of Jericho. Joshua had said that this city should not be rebuilt again. It needed another anointing of a higher level to reverse the curse that Joshua had released upon Jericho. Anyway, the sons of the prophets who come from Jericho, they were following Elijah, but they were following him at a distance. They saw Elisha and they said, the spirit of the Lord rests on Elisha. Hiya. They said the spirit of the Lord rests upon Elijah. They said the spirit of God rests upon Elijah. What did they say? The spirit of Elijah rests upon Elijah. They could see it. They saw a shift. And this was a supernatural shift in the life of Elijah through the power of following. And they said something that was upon Elijah has shifted into Elisha. And this is not the Elisha that we saw when he was walking with Elisha. Elijah, this is a different Elisha. Something has come upon him. Look at that verse. And they came to meet him and they bowed to the ground before him. Because they realized this is a different Elisha. Hallelujah. When you follow, you receive something. Oh, yes. Do you guys love the anointing? It's like you guys don't love anointing. Do, do, do you love the anointing? Do you love the anointing? Do you love the grace that God puts on men? Oh. Oh. You know, when I went to Ghana and I met Bishop Doug, my life changed. And since then, I've been following him like crazy. By the way, he even sent me a birthday message. Yeah, yesterday I received a message from the secretariat. I listen to him every day. Every day. When I go to the gym at 5 30 in the morning, he is in my head. While I'm running and burning calories, I'm listening to him. I want what is in him to come upon me. And I think I have started sensing that it has come. It's only Pastor Ngure who understands the man I'm talking about because he's been there. Maybe Pastor Ngure and Dolly. Who else has been to Ghana with me? And Pastor Mary. They understand what I'm talking about. You go to a place, you go to a country, every time you make, you see his church, 
rebuilt. Now they have a thousand cathedrals all over the world. Cathedrals all over the world. They're in Jamaica. <laughs> they have several cathedrals in this country. They're in Tanzania. They're in Rwanda. They're in Uganda. There's no place you can go and never meet his members. Then you want me to listen to motivational speaker who will tell you that you will build a business with a feather. A feather of a chicken. No. I am following. I say I'm following. And as I follow him, I want you to follow me. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Because let me tell you, this thing, you cannot do it by yourself. You need someone you follow with all your heart. Praise the Lord. And following requires that you embrace. You see, Elisha embraced Elijah. I wish I had time to dig. He embraced him with his flaws, with his weakness, the way just he was. He followed him. And something rested upon him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look, Apostle Selman is not your pastor. Oh, pastor, you know when I wake up in the morning, Apostle Selman is speaking to me. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to me. I feel something. He's, he's not your pastor. I am your pastor. I am your shepherd. I'm your prophet. I am your man of God. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Benin is not your pastor. He's not. I'm your pastor. I am your shepherd. You don't like what I'm saying, but it's very powerful. I'm your pastor. Look, there were sons of prophets. You see, when Elisha was following Elijah, already we had sons of the prophets. So that means there was another prophet in the land. But Elisha knew this one is the one. Not the one who is having the school of This one is the one. Yes, you should know which one is the one. You must know. Which one is the one? Glory to God. Am, am I preaching so that I may manipulate you? No. I don't want to control you. I cannot control you. Yeah, you have an idea. I cannot. I, you, you, do you have an ID? Some of you even have a passport. I cannot manipulate. I can, but I'm showing you some of the things that will shift your life to the next level. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. You know, one time, after the morning glory that we always do, command the morning, a lady called me from UK. So, oh man, oh, she was even crying. I think she called Pastor May, then she wanted to talk to me. So she was crying. Oh, I've been sad. Eh, oh. She said so many things. I asked her, but, but you, you have a pastor. The best I can do is just to pray for you. But you have a pastor. Go and talk to your pastor. He's your shepherd. And when I asked who is the pastor, when she mentioned the name, I, I said, Oh Lord, I will not tell you who the pastor was. 
I said, you have your own pastor, you have your own shepherd, you have your own prophet. Go and tell him what you're going through. Me, I'm just leading prayer. Eh? On this platform, the best I can do is to pray for you. But the person to walk with you is your pastor. Yeah, if I was this, some of these charlatans, I could have said, okay, send us your number. In fact, the Lord is telling me you need to sow a very good seed. And you need to say, uh, send a seed in pounds. In fact, we want to put you in a WhatsApp group. I don't do those things. Yeah, this, this is my sheep here. Yeah, these are my people. These are the people I'm supposed to give my all to. I have my children in Makindu. I have my children in Ruai. I have my children in Embakasi. I have my children in Mlolongo. Yes. I have my children in Umoja. And many more are coming. I say many more are coming. Many more are coming. You know, one time I was trying to help a gentleman here, one of my sons. Look, all my stories are true. He was having marital problems with his wife. Then I asked, when did the problem start? He said, it started five years ago. But I said, you've been in this church for almost ten years. How comes I'm not aware? Then they say, we used to go and see so-and-so for counseling. I said, why? Why? Because if you came earlier, we could have dealt with this issue. And I'm even sad that we could not even finish the thing. Because by the time we're trying to get to the root cause of the problem... He took his wife and ran away from the church. Because a pastor will never mince his words. You see, if you go and see a stranger, you will not tell the stranger the truth. Do you know what you'll tell the stranger? You know, we are just having serious challenges. Which challenges? You know, to the normal marriage challenges. But the pastor will say, what are these normal marriage challenges? Let's go to the specifics. And this is not the last meeting. You are coming for another meeting. Then another meeting. Then another meeting. Then another meeting. And if there is a problem, we come to the house. But when it gets to there, people don't want that. They want to go and meet a stranger where they can have one meeting and they think that the meeting will resolve issues that have been there for 10 years. Tell your neighbor, it doesn't work like that. Yes. You are listening to your shepherd, your prophet, and your pastor who is connected to you to walk with you, to pray, to counsel, so that the grace he carries can fall upon your lives and your life can shift to the next level. Hallelujah. You must become a servant because you will never serve what you don't respect. And that brings me to the close of this series. And it's my prayer that you will experience a shift in all aspects of your life. Not downwards, upwards, in the name of Jesus. May your children go higher. May your marriage go higher. May your home go higher. May your business go higher. In the name of Jesus, I want you to raise your hands and open your mouth and begin 
to absorb the prophecies, the proclamations, the words that you have received through this series right now. In the name of Jesus, receive them right now. Hallelujah. All the prophetic proclamations, all the declarations, all the shifts that are prophesied in this place. That you will never remain the same. You will not remain at the same level. You will shift. You will move higher. In the name of Jesus. You will go to higher dimensions. Yes, financially. As a family, as a home. In the name of Jesus. You will not remain where you are. God will bring increase and growth. In your life. In the name of Jesus. That even before the year is over. There will be growth. There will be progress. There will be expansion in the name of Jesus. You will break to the right and to the left in the name of Jesus. Increase will be your portion. Joy will be your portion. Prosperity will be your portion. Progress will be your portion. Victory will be your portion in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. Oh, you will become a servant in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.